Hi, and welcome to Anything But Glamorous, the podcast. This show is a combination of people's stories, guest experts, and my own ramblings on all things personal discovery and self-care, boundaries, burnout, mental health struggles, invisible illness, and everything in between. My name is Christine Lenzberg, health enthusiast turned IBS coach, now working to break the stigmas around all these things that are, well, less than glamorous. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to Anything But Glamorous, the podcast. I'm Christine Lenzberg, your host, and today I am joined by my name sister, Christine Olivo. She is a social media content creator who has been living with irritable bowel syndrome since 2007, struggling to manage the pain, anxiety, and loneliness that comes with having IBS. Uh, Christine created an Instagram account called My IBS Life in 2019 as a way to cope uh, with everything through humor. Her page has now become a home and community to more than 66,000 chronic illness warriors uh, who are looking to be heard, understood, and validated. Christine, I'm so excited that you're here finally and to meet you finally. I've, I've been following your... Yeah, I've been following you for like a couple of years now, I think, and I just love what you're doing for the community, for all the IBS warriors and chronic illness warriors. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that you want to come on, especially because IBS is, you know, one of my biggest passions. So I really wanted that to be one of the first episodes here. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And thank you again for having me on. And I'm excited to chat about everything that's not so glamorous about having IBS. So thanks for having me. Yeah, there's a lot to choose between, right? (laughs) There's a lot to choose from when it comes to IBS. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Unfortunately. But how would you describe, like, uh, if you were to describe IBS to someone who doesn't know what it is, what would you say? I usually kind of lay it on them easy. I'm like, you know, I just have like chronic stomach issues. And then, you know, sometimes they ask questions or if they're like, okay, I've heard enough, like I stop there. Otherwise, I'll just continue and say, you know, like, honestly, I spend a lot of my days worrying about what I eat um, and if I'm going to end up in the bathroom for most of the day and that, you know, the symptoms really vary from person to person, but it could be, be anything from, you know, being constipated a lot or having diarrhea a lot, um, cramping, fatigue, all that fun stuff. So gassy, you know, all the, all the great things that you want to talk to people about. <laughs> exactly, right? Hi, I'm Christine. Let me tell you about my stomach issues. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> not, not where you want to go first. Right. But sometimes it happens first, right? Because you usually sometimes you meet people in like food settings and stuff like that and it just always comes up, right? It's like, "Oh, that's the weirdo with the stomach issues." <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Like, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we all have. And you know, it's funny that you even say that because it really, I feel like once you have stomach problems, it makes you really realize how many social events are like around food or drinks. And yes. it's like, this is so stressful now. <laughs> I know, right? And it's always like that. It's always like when you're gathering with someone, it's like, yes, let's go out for dinner. Let's go out for drinks. And then, you know, yeah, you have this extra little thing to consider. Not so yeah. little thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's like, is there anything else to do? other than eat food. No? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so you're, I guess I would say you're, you know, an IBS veteran now because you've had it for a long time, as I understand. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would love to hear a little bit about like what it was, you know, what your journey has been like and what, when was it that you first realized that, you know, something's not right here? Sure. So yeah, my, IBS journey started the late half of 2006. Um, I was in seventh grade and I remember just having like an onset of symptoms daily that was usually like my stomach just always hurt. Um, I was constantly like burping, had a lot of gas, was bloated. And I personally kept switching from being like really constipated for days to the point of being like hunched over, couldn't stand up straight to then switching 
to having diarrhea for days, can't get out of the bathroom. Um, and I think I dealt with those symptoms for about six months until I got an official IBS diagnosis um, in spring of 2007. And, you know, I had gone through all the tests you can imagine um, and eventually ended up getting like a colonoscopy and an endoscopy, which is what led to like my IBS diagnosis when they were like, well, nothing is really wrong. So I guess we're just going to say you have IBS. Um, so that's just label it like this so we can get you out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so true though. And it's like kind of an unfortunate pattern that seems to happen for a lot of people to have IBS. You know, it, it's truly like the last possible option <laughs> that doctors are like, I guess you just have this because we don't know what else it is, um, which is frustrating in its own. Um, so yeah, that's when it started and that's kind of how it came about. And, you know, now I've had it for, I guess, 15, 16 years and it's been quite the journey. Um, but to kind of start off on a positive note, um, it has gotten a lot better as time has gone on, which I'm sure we'll talk more about later, but yeah, that's kind of how it started and how it went. <laughs> yeah. But you, then you got it like the diagnosis really early. So how, I mean, I can imagine that's not easy when you're that age, right? To be yeah. dealing with that. And also at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. When I guess it was not so known, you know, as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a few parts to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Back then, IBS was definitely not as like normalized as it is now. I think we've done a good job of bringing it to the attention <laughs> of a lot of people on the internet. Back then, it was like, I didn't know a single other person that had it, that was dealing with what I was dealing with. Um it wasn't even in like TV commercials, you know, stuff like that. Doctors weren't even like really as sure what they could like do about it. Um, and the other thing was just being that young, it was already such an awkward stage of your life. Like that's when you're going through puberty and things are just freaking weird anyway. And now you have this added layer of dealing with even more like quote unquote, gross stuff and not wanting to talk about it. And, um, back then I, I missed, I missed school more than I was ever in school. So like I was missing way more days than I was like actually attending school because of my IBS, which always brought on a lot of questions from people like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you always sick? And it was always just like, I just always lied about it and, and would say I had some other sickness or, and it was just like, yeah, it was hard and it was just really awkward. <laughs> yeah. And like the the less you talk about it, right, the less you feel any kind of support, I guess, because uh, no one knows, they can't really see it. It's uh, this whole cycle of keeping it to yourself and then feeling more lonely, right? And then mm -hmm. just not getting any help with it. Yeah. But how was that when like what were the kind of steps you took or did you get any support from your doctor or anything like that at, at that point or or later on so early on um really the best I had like the best I was still seeing my pediatrician at the time because I was still pretty young um and he was truly like to this day the best doctor I've ever had and he was always the one giving me referrals to different doctors different specialists and um doing everything he could for me. Uh, unfortunately, I went through two gastroenterologists or like, you know, doctors that focus on the GI uh, tract and they sucked. They were awful. Um, and they were, you know, you're like what we call like our horror doctor stories of like, you know, telling me it's all in my head. I'm just another young girl with stomach problems. You know, one of them accused me of just being anorexic and that nothing was actually wrong. I just needed to be put in like a psych ward. And that was awful. Oh my God. Yeah. So then after that, we kind of gave up on the gastro side of things. And I ended up seeing a registered dietitian, which was very helpful. Um, and I liked going that route way more. And, um, you know, we were focusing more on food and stuff. So that was good. But yeah, it was a little, uh, it, it was tough in the beginning, trying to get support on the medical side, for sure. Yeah, that sounds awful. And that 
you know, when you're going to someone who's supposed to be an expert, who's supposed to help you and you ask for help and then you're just like, no, you're probably just imagining this or you're, you know, like, yeah, it, and I don't know if you felt like this, but I mean, I, because I experienced similar things, so I know how devastating it feels. Um, and one of the things that I noticed was that when that happened to me again and again, I was like, maybe I am crazy. Like maybe, maybe I am creating this or maybe, you know, because when like grownups tell you these things and then no one believes you, it's like you start to doubt yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that's an unfortunate pattern in a lot of people's story is feeling that way. Even like a lot of my followers are adults and still have that struggle when they go to the doctor. And um, cause I like remember sitting in that doctor's office. It was right after i had had my colonoscopy. He was the one that officially diagnosed me with IBS. And you know, I was like sitting on the table. My mom was in the chair next to me. He wasn't even like looking at me, Like he wasn't even talking to me, the patient. Um, I kind of feel like he just thought I was like, you know, this dumb little girl that just had tummy aches. And he was just staring at my mom and just being like, listen, um, I'll do like, I'll give her the honor of giving her a diagnosis of IBS, but I truly think she is just anorexic, like a lot of girls her age, and you should probably get her therapy and possibly put her in a psych ward. And like, that was the most just like dehumanizing (laughs) experience you could ever have. And then thankfully my mom was always on my side and she was like a really strong advocate for me. But like, that was a moment where I remember feeling like crazy and misunderstood. And if it weren't for my mom being like a good advocate, I I think I totally would have spiraled in that moment. Um, And even as an adult, when I've seen doctors recently, they still make me feel that way sometimes. Like, I like, is my pain even as bad as I'm telling them it is? Like, maybe it's, maybe I am like, you know, being dramatic and it's not true, but yeah, it's unfortunate that we feel that way. Yeah. So what would you most like to see in terms of support, like for people with this condition? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, at the basics of it, like, I would just like to see a lot more healthcare professionals that are more like empathetic when they see patients coming in with these problems. And instead of being like, oh, like, here's another one. It's more like, oh my God, like, why is this happening? And I'm like, sorry that you're going through it too. You know, you're not alone in this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just doctors that are more understanding patient stuff like that. Cause I think that can just make a huge difference in a patient's journey. Yeah, absolutely. Just to feel like you're not, you know, just banging your head against the wall, trying to make them listen, you know, you're just yeah. to be met. I think, as you say, I think that's so important just to be met with like, okay, I hear you. I see you. I want to help, you know, yeah. and let's figure this out. Yeah. And if I can't figure it out, I will help you find someone else who can figure it out, you know, but just I won't stop. And I think that's that's really important. Absolutely. That's something that I think is so beautiful with the community that you have created, because you're uh, giving people a place to feel uh, seen, right? To feel like, you know, you're not the only one. You This is real. Like a lot of people are struggling with this. So... I just, I mean, I have so many questions about like the rest of your journey as well to this point, but I wanted to ask like, how did you, or when did you get to that point where you decided, okay, I'm going to talk about this because getting from feeling so, you know, awkward and embarrassed about it, like you did when you were just starting out to like literally shouting it to the whole world like what was that process and how did you get there yeah no it's so funny (laughs) to like hear it that way because it's true that's exactly what happened um yeah there was a lot of years in between feeling how I did when I first was diagnosed versus when I started talking about it and the way it kind of happened was um before I started Instagram and stuff I had actually started a YouTube channel um randomly I'd always watched YouTubers I thought it was fun I wanted to like try it. And, um, I think it was 
like the second video I had ever posted was called Ways My IBS Ruins My Life. And it was just like, I, I don't know why I decided to do that topic. I think it was just like, I knew I had a lot to say. <laughs> and um, I I made it, I posted it. And at the time I literally had like 10 subscribers. Okay, but like, that was a lot to me. I was like, oh my God. And <laughs> most of my videos got, you know, like under a hundred views, but that one ended up getting like a few thousand. And I was like, oh my God, like people listen to this one. And there were, you know, quite a few comments that I started getting um, DMs on my personal Instagram of people being like, I saw your video, I relate to it. And um, I started posting more videos about my IBS on that YouTube channel. And those were always the ones that did like better than the others. And at a certain point, I uh, got sick of YouTube. It was a lot of effort for a little reward. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like maybe switch gears and try Instagram. I think that would be a lot easier and I can just like make memes instead of making these whole videos. Um, and that's kind of how I started on that route. Um, but yeah, it really started from just having people on YouTube be like, yeah, I relate to this and me being like, wow, I'm not the only one. <laughs> and, you know, maybe there's yeah. a lot more people out there that can also relate to this. Yeah, definitely. Well, you are, yeah, <laughs> living an example of that. But one of the things I love about your account is that you're able to, I mean, you make it funny, right? Something that's just like so, can be so devastating in so many ways. You're able to like make it into a humorous thing and, you and um, you know, bring smiles to people through a really difficult time. So what was it that kind of sparked you to go that route? Sure. First of all, thank you for like the nicest words ever. But also, um, <laughs> I think like for me, I've always been really awkward with my own emotions. And I mean, that goes for anything. Like when I'm really happy and excited, I feel like awkward about it. And then also like when I'm, it kind of goes into the conversation we just had, like when I'm in pain and I'm feeling miserable, I feel dramatic talking about my feelings, even though they're valid. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel weird about it. And maybe that's because I've always been told, like, you know, my pain and my struggles are dramatic or not as, like, big as I make them be. So anyway, I feel like my whole life I've always just kind of coped with, like, sarcasm and, like, a little bit of dark humor. And that's always felt more comfortable for me than, like, just speaking my feelings out. And so that's why I was, like, maybe, like, memes would be better for me to do because I can still talk about what I'm going through but also mask it with some humor so that people know the message but they're not like stop being dramatic you know they're like oh that's kind of funny because that's actually like painfully accurate <laughs> yeah and also like I guess sitting on Instagram every day just crying because that's what you really want to do sometimes is probably not <laughs> as entertaining yeah. for people to watch in oh, the long run yeah. but I guess I mean you must I mean on your stories as well, you do share a lot of vulnerable stuff as well, and you always keep it real. And I think that's really cool. But I'm wondering, like, how is it for you or what's your outlet on the days when maybe you don't feel like going on Instagram or it's too hard or like it's really a struggle? Like, how do you kind of get through those moments? True. That's a great question. I feel like I've never been asked that before. <laughs> and I'm like sitting here trying to think, like, what do I do? Um and it's funny when you say that because I feel like I've been feeling that way more and more um, recently. Like, I was actually brought to my attention recently that there's a lot of people out there that even though I try to make my account, like, funny and kind of that, like, you know, laugh at the pain rather than cry about it, a lot of people do still think that my account's really negative and can be, like, really harmful to people because it can make them stuck in, like, a toxic cycle, I guess. And that really kind of shocked me to hear that because that's never my intention. And it's kind of like messed with my brain a little bit because now I do feel kind of afraid to go on my story sometimes when I am having really bad days where I'm not feeling well physically or mentally because I never want to like talk about 
any bad things I'm going through and then make someone else like feel bad about it too or something or or compare it to what I'm going through. And I feel like I have been like avoiding Instagram a little bit more. And I think on those days, I really rely on like my husband and my, you know, real life friends and family to kind of vent to them about whatever it is on my mind, whether it's like a physical thing, like I'm having a flare and I'm feeling awful today. And, you know, I'm just kind of having my own pity party. I'm sorry to be venting about it. Um, or if it's like more of a mental aspect, um, I just rely on them more. I've also tried to start journaling more. I feel like that's been a really good outlet for me. Yeah, I love journaling. Yeah, everyone, I see everyone journaling and I'm like, I need to be a journaling girl. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny about the journaling because I've had like periods of being like, oh, don't talk, don't make like, I don't want to do this. Journaling is dumb, you know, but it really does help. And sometimes it feels a little bit like a chore, but it really does like it helps. It works. And there's a reason why people do it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. But you mentioned, um, you know, the mental health aspect, and I would love to talk a little bit about that because as much as, you know, as if the physical symptoms weren't enough, (laughs) a lot of people who are dealing with IBS, uh, myself included, also struggle with, you know, mental health struggles, anxiety, depression, these kinds of things. So what has been your um, experience with that sure is that like a daily thing that is a challenge now absolutely I feel like um I feel like even before IBS I wouldn't say I had anxiety but I feel like I still leaned toward being more of an anxious person I think that's just kind of how I am um and I think that runs in my family even though they would probably deny that (laughs) and when (laughs) I got IBS um my anxiety has just like run rampant. Uh, and I would def, and I, you know, as the years kind of went on, in, in addition to IBS, I also have this phobia um, called emetophobia. That's the fear of like throwing up. And definitely, like, it's not fun to have that at all, but especially when you have chronic stomach issues that make you feel like you have like a stomach virus every single day, like triple the time, like, not the fun. So, like, my anxiety has been like crippling through the years. And um, there are definitely days also that just feel dark when you have IBS because if you're flaring and especially if it lasts for days or maybe a week or maybe even more, it, you can slip into that mindset of like, is this ever going to end? Am I going to feel like this forever? Um, Which, you know, I've had IBS long enough now to know that like, the brighter days are coming, even when it doesn't feel like it, um, and that this is another downslope, but there will be an upslope. But especially in the beginning, when you're feeling sick, probably more consistently than you're feeling well, because you're trying to figure out your triggers and your body patterns, and you just feel sick every single day, that's like really hard. And I definitely struggled with that in the beginning, and I still struggle with that. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, I definitely still struggle with the anxiety and there's definitely like a lot of dark days. Yeah. And like, also it kind of takes from your life, right? Because it, in many ways it can, uh, isolate you from the things that may help you get through those patches of anxiety or, you know, darkness that you're describing. And it's also like what starts it right because mm-hmm. the anxiety mm-hmm. makes the IBS worse and then the IBS makes the anxiety worse and then it's just this kind of I don't know tug of war mm-hmm. some messed up stuff that just is really hard to kind of yeah. catapult yourself out of in a way yeah 100% totally relate to that and I think there's another aspect of it too of like the comparison game of when you have IBS or any type of like chronic illness, chronic pain, and both online and in real life, you watch people like live their life and you're like, why can't I do that? And why do I have to be the one that has to struggle with these issues? And why can't I be doing what all my friends are doing? Or why do I feel like I'm like behind now? Um, And that's still something I struggle with now as an adult with IBS, even 
as someone who I, I feel like I have my IBS like kind of managed well, and I still struggle with that. So I think that's another aspect of the mental health part of it too. So what do you feel like is your biggest, I know we talked about your support in like those difficult times before, but what do you feel helps you the most when, do you have like any kind of tools that you use or anything like that when you're struggling with that, um, those heavy, heavy days? So I wish I had like some magic tool. I could be like, yes, I do this and it makes it all better. <laughs> I feel like I'm, still, <laughs> I, I honestly, like if I'm being honest, I feel like I'm still kind of working through that and trying to figure that out. Um, like, and then reminding myself, I think I'm trying to remind myself more now that like, whenever I start to feel like I'm comparing myself, especially to people online and stuff, I'm like, you're only seeing what they want you to see. And, you know, they're not like, I, my, my job's weird, because I feel like part of my job online is to post my bad days. And I like put it on display. I'm like, look, everyone, I'm having a horrible day. And I'm having like crazy <laughs> diarrhea, but no one else is like doing that, like friends and family wise, you know, and I have to remind myself, like people are hiding that for good reason. And, you know, they're struggling with things too. So it's okay. You know, I'm, I have my own journey, I'm gonna get there. Um, and so it's really just kind of reminding myself of that for now. Yeah, everybody has their own stuff, right? But and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make this podcast is that we don't talk about the difficult stuff, right? We are experts at hiding it, right? And I just think that, uh, I mean, I don't mean that we should all go around <laughs> talking about only difficult stuff all the time, of course, Absolutely. but, you know, the more we can be open about it, the less we will feel lonely when we are going through that, those yeah. challenging times, you know? Absolutely. But I was curious about, do you know what your triggers are? I think I have a pretty good grip on my triggers. So um, definitely back in the beginning, I thought a lot of my triggers were like food related. And that's definitely like some of my triggers are definitely certain foods I know I can't have. I know like caffeine triggers me, even though I drink it every day and I talk about it every day. Uh, <laughs> um, but I've also come to realize through the years that a lot of my triggers are more lifestyle related than food related, which mm. um, I felt like personally was never even talked to me about like through like when I was seeing doctors and stuff, it was always like focusing on the food and fiber and, you know, like all that stuff. So now I've realized- Go low FODMAP and it'll fix everything, right? Exactly, right? Like the cure-all <laughs> low FODMAP diet. Yes. Um, so the cliche triggers are yes, stress wrecks me. Uh, definitely my top trigger is stress and anxiety, which is unfortunate because I feel like those are really hard to fix. <laughs> um, and then also like things like sleeping. If I don't sleep enough for a few nights, I tend to feel really bad. Um, exercise types of like exercising can like really hurt me. Like if I do like if I go for a run, I know that that's going to probably make me flare or feel really bad. Um, yeah, it's kind of like more of the hidden triggers like that that uh, really bother me. <laughs> Yeah, and there are so many of those, right? That are just like, what? Why yeah. would this? <laughs> why would this cause this? You know? Absolutely. And sometimes they can feel very random. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting when you start to kind of like put the pieces together, like you are now, and like um, seeing the connections between how these things affect symptoms and why, and the underlying reasons for it but it still can feel like really, really random sometimes. So yeah. absolutely. I still have days where I'm like, okay, I know I did not do anything on purpose to myself today. And I still feel terrible. Like what's going on. So yeah, I definitely feel that. Okay. So one of the, I guess, exciting things about IBS is that it's so freaking unpredictable. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like we're talking about triggers that can come from like super random stuff and, uh, you know, flare ups that can come at super random times. Like you can eat something one day and be totally fine. And then the next day you eat the same thing and then your body's just like, nope, mm -hmm. that was not okay. Um, so 
I'm curious, what is the least inconvenient moment that you've ever experienced a flare up? That's a good question. Sorry, the most inconvenient moment. I figured that's what you were asking. I'm like, huh, okay. Um, I feel like there have been so many and I black them out of my mind every single time. I'm like trying to like dig up a memory right now of that happening. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times I've experienced like, I'll be at home, I'll get ready to go to work or a lot of the times it's like the grocery store. Like I'm like at home, I feel fine. I'm like, let me run to the grocery store, get some groceries. Somewhere between me stepping foot out of my house and then stepping foot in the parking lot of the grocery store to like pick up food, something happened. I don't know what it was. And like <laughs> I just like feel sick the moment I step in a grocery store and I'm like, I need a bathroom ASAP. I feel like that has just happened to me more times than I'd ever like to admit. Um, and th that's always really inconvenient too, because then I either have to choose between going home and not getting groceries or sucking it up for, you know, anywhere from a half hour to an hour in the grocery store, having to stare at food that is now making me nauseous. <laughs> pay oh, for no. my groceries, go home. And then I get home and I feel perfectly fine. And I'm like, what is this? So yeah, that's always really inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. And super random. Actually, I, it reminds me, I, um, I don't know if you've heard this story, but there was like an official thing about, I think, bookshops and they like named it a syndrome or something. Have you heard about this? I don't that, know. Uh, I wish I could I remember that story, but it's basically they it was this woman who went into some kind of bookshop, I don't know. <laughs> and she had this happen, gut issues, like an urgency or something. And they oh they said that there was something about like the smell of the books that like triggered this to happen. And then I don't know. Really? I, maybe I should have researched that better before I tried to tell the story. <laughs> Okay, so I had to go back and check this poop story thing because it was really bugging me that I couldn't remember it during our interview. So the story says, at some point in the mid-80s, a Japanese woman named Mariko, I I Aoki, Mariko Aoki wrote a letter to a magazine confessing that she sometimes urgently felt the need to poop whenever she entered a bookstore. And apparently she wasn't alone and a lot of people kept writing into this magazine explaining that they too felt the same urge in bookstores and in libraries. So they named this situation as the Mariko Aoki phenomenon. And there is like a, a huge Wikipedia story about it. You can go onto Wikipedia and read all about it. It's actually really funny. Uh, they explain it as it's a Japanese expression referring to a sudden urge to defecate that is felt upon entering bookstores. And there's also a gastroenterologist that explains that he has a lot of patients that come see him about this. And he says it's more common than people realize um, and that people are just too embarrassed to talk about it, he says. And in the Wikipedia article, it also says that there are a couple of theories behind this um, uh, Mariko Aoki phenomenon, including the smell of paper or ink having a laxative effect, um, the association with reading on the toilet at home. And it also says that some book lovers think that maybe it is about being surrounded by thousands of beautiful books relaxes them so much that the bowels themselves become relaxed. <laughs> so there you go. That's the story of the Mariko Aoki phenomenon. And uh, this bookstore that I was trying to explain before. <laughs> That's hilarious Random. because, yeah, there's like a bookstore called Barnes & Noble and everyone is always like, everyone has, has a diarrhea story about being in Barnes & Noble. And I'm like, now that you're saying this, I'm like, oh my God, like, is that actually <laughs> yeah. everyone having diarrhea in the bookstore? Like, what is this? <laughs> And maybe I was going to say, maybe that's what triggers the whole thing. But do you know where, like, do you know what triggered yours in the first place? Like, do you, can you remember, maybe you don't remember like the specific moment, but I was just wondering, curious if you can like pinpoint, because I know some people uh, are like, oh, I had this, you know, parasite or I had this like bacterial infection and then I got antibiotics. And then after that I got IBS or like other people have, you know, big yeah. traumas in their life. And then, you know, so I was just wondering if you know kind of what 
sparked it? Yeah, so I have like post-infectious IBS. So I had gotten like strep throat like three or four times within like six months. And Mm -hmm. I was constantly on antibiotics to get rid of that. And basically what ended up happening was while the antibiotics were like getting rid of the bad bacteria in my body, it was also flushing out the good bacteria in my gut. Um, and that's what ended up causing my IBS, uh, in the first place. Mm. Yeah. So. Okay. Yep. So it started it all. Gotcha. <laughs> How is your, you know, your habits, your eating habits and, and stuff like that now? Well, I guess before I even had symptoms and stuff, I used to pretty much eat anything and everything. And then when I started having symptoms for the first time and was officially diagnosed, I stripped my diet down to nothing. Like, I think I ate like five things, um, like plain chicken, plain pasta, rice, you know, like the, like what everyone eats when they first get diagnosed and don't know what to eat. Um, anything that was bland. And I was truly like terrified of eating and trying new foods and going out to dinner and stuff like that. And I would say that last, like that initial fear of that, like lasted for probably, I don't know, like five years. Um, I had a really poor relationship with food. Not that it's great today, but it's a lot better. And now I don't know when it started getting better, to be honest. Now I will say I'm back to eating things I never thought I would touch again. Um, And I I have much more of a diverse diet and I don't really limit myself that much, whether I should or not. I don't know, but (laughs) I am back to eating a lot more things than I did in the beginning. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And like I said, like even just the other night, um, my husband and I went out to dinner and it was like our third time going out to dinner in a week which is like ridiculous. But um, I remember sitting at the dinner table with him and being like, I never thought I would get to this point where I enjoyed going out to dinner and it wasn't this anxiety inducing event and that I could like enjoy a meal. Like I was like, I never thought I would be able to do this again. And like, I definitely have moments of like, wow, I've like really come a long way. Um, And so I hope that if anyone else is listening to this who has IBS, like just just know that it it gets better. Like just trust me, because I I never thought it would and it did. So (laughs) hang in there. (laughs) Yeah, that's I, I think that's really important because I think so many people are told that, oh, it's just IBS, you can't do anything about it, right? And this is just your life. Good luck with it. Yeah. You know? And I think it's so important to hold on to that hope and kind of be stubborn enough to like not give up on yourself because it absolutely can get better. And, you know, although there is no like magical cure to like get rid of IBS forever, there are so many things that you can do to improve your life quality, right? And have experiences like that, what you were just saying, that you can go out to dinner with your husband and just not have to constantly struggle so much, you know, Mm -hmm. and also kind of feel more empowered in the way that you can. Sure, we all eat things that we know will trigger it sometimes, right? (laughs) We're human, yeah. We're human. We like food. We like the good stuff. But I think it's a big difference between doing that and being aware and kind of knowing that, okay, I'm doing this, I'm making this choice and just being like, as you are in the beginning, completely confused and you're just like, "Ah, I don't know, like it all seems so random, right? Mm -hmm. So I think also getting to that point where you can uh, decide more and feel more empowered in your, with your condition, um, Mm -hmm. I think also makes a huge difference, but you don't get that unless you keep trying and like keep, you know, working on it. So I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of trial and error. That's like one of the most frustrating things about 
having a gut problem is, you know, something can really help one person and totally not do a thing for you. And it's like, why doesn't it work for me? And it, it's okay if that happens. It's not, you're not doing something wrong. It's not your fault. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of fighting for yourself, having to get the energy to like help yourself, advocate for yourself, you know, um, it's almost like a full-time job and it, it's tiring, but it's definitely worth it. We should it. get paid a lot of money for it. For real. <laughs> like, please it. compensate us for having to live like this. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely worth like the fight and the struggle once you finally find the things that work for you. So, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I wanted to, I know that you just, you know, on more positive notes, I, I know that you recently got married. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I love all things weddings <laughs> and it's, it's really exciting. But how was that like um, kind of experience for you, the lead up to the wedding, all of the preparations and stuff like that? I know that can be really stressful. Um, yeah. So how did you handle that kind of to avoid having flare ups? Sure. Or did so, you? <laughs> I, you know what? I surprisingly, and I hope that this is like a good thing for anyone that might be listening. Like, I don't think I had any flares leading up to my wedding. I didn't flare on my wedding day. Um, but I was very worried that I would. <laughs> and uh, really, I would say the week leading up to my wedding, I really tried to be good with like, making sure I wasn't being an idiot and eating or drinking things that I knew would hurt my stomach. Like I really tried to be good with what I was eating and stick to like my safer foods, um, safer meals, whatever. And the other part was also just trying to control my anxiety. Um, so I tried to, you know, just be as organized as I could each day leading up to the wedding, making sure I had things set and ready to go. And I honestly was trying to think of like, you know, worst case scenarios that could happen. So that would just be prepared for anything that could come out my, like come out my way. Um, and I think all of that really helped. And then the night before the wedding, we had like our rehearsal dinner. And honestly, once I saw all my friends and all my family, like I kind of forgot about all the crap I had been worrying about. And that just like distracted me to the point, like I didn't have time to think about my stomach. I didn't have time to think about like how I felt or to like, kind of like think myself into being sick, if that makes any sense. And then, yeah, the day of the wedding, there was just so much going on that was fun uh, that again, I didn't really have time to like think about it and it all just happened so fast. And uh, it kind of all just worked out and I had a great time. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You were in the love bubble, just protected by this, you know, pink. Fluffy. Absolutely. <laughs> something, something was there. I will say, um, I feel like once I got like halfway into our wedding reception, kind of like the adrenaline and the nerves and everything and the, ex not the excitement, but like, yeah, I guess like adrenaline, like kind of started to wear off. And I did have a moment of like, oh God, I'm like really tired. My stomach kind of hurts. And I just had to be like, okay, like calm down. You're fine. Like stop. <laughs> And, and then I was fine. So it, it worked out. But um, yeah, you know, and I, I get a lot of messages from people being like, I'm like, I'm getting married and I'm really nervous about it. And I just tell people like, I, I totally get it. Um, but also like, don't try your best not to think yourself into a flare or into feeling sick. Like it's going to be a great day. You're going to have a great time. Worst case scenario, you got to run to the bathroom few times it's over you're gonna be great like it's so yeah yeah because you can i mean that's kind of like a fine balance right because you can it's not like you know how you've been told like oh just you know think happy thoughts and everything right. will be great you know it's not that easy and at the same time you can definitely you know, when you're in a situation where you're either feeling a flare coming on or you're starting to get worried about it, you can kind of coach yourself out of that by doing right. what you were doing, right? And like, I think like self-talk sounds so like just simple and dumb in a way, but it can really do wonders when you're in that situation because you 
connect with yourself, you're like, okay, we've got this. It's going to be fine, like you said, you know, and I think that can really make a huge, huge difference yeah. to like not let the anxiety take overhand because you're like taking charge, right, in a way. So absolutely, I think that's huge. Yeah. No, yeah. Talking to yourself can be really powerful. <laughs> it, like you said, it sounds silly and you feel like kind of dumb while you're doing it, but like that has saved me like so many times. So yeah, it's yeah. important to check in with yourself and to remind yourself like we're good. Like it's okay. Yeah. We'll be fine. <laughs> we got this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but I wanted to, I, because uh, I, I was curious about your relationship with your husband. How long have you guys been together, like before you got married? And how did he handle like this whole situation? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we had um, been dating and engaged for, like four years until we got married. Um, so we met in 2018, the beginning of 2018. And um, going back to that YouTube channel I had, um, I had met him one night and in between meeting him that night and um, by the time we went on our first like official date, he had Googled me as we all do. <laughs> and as we all do. <laughs> as we all do. And he had found my YouTube channel and he had found out I had stomach problems and IBS through <laughs> that YouTube oh. channel. <laughs> So I don't, so, <laughs> it's a very unique experience. He got like all the dirty details. He did. <laughs> he knew everything about me um, by the time we had our first like official date. So that was both um, a blessing and a mortifying experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, he went on the date with you he and did. later he married you. So, you know, it, it went well. <laughs> Honestly, he... Um, you know, he he definitely like poked fun at me at first about it and was like, I saw your video and I saw you like poop your pants. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. Um, great. Yeah, right. And of course, our first official date was like a dinner date, which I had specifically stated in that video that I hate dinner dates because of my ideas. So <laughs> that was interesting. But um, he doesn't care about my IBS stuff. Like it's really never been an issue if anything he jokes that I'm like the best cheap date ever because I never want to go out to eat and you know stuff <laughs> like that um he's never cared really if we've had to like cancel plans if I was sick or if we had to leave early he's always just been like very understanding and he'll even say like you know it, it, it just has like never mattered <laughs> That's beautiful. That's amazing is how it should be, right? Even if yeah. maybe that's not everybody's experience, but then you know it's not the right guy for you, right? Absolutely. So. Yeah. If you're like dating someone that's making you feel insecure or embarrassed about literal problems you have that you cannot control, like they're not the right one. <laughs> and there are so many people out there that will like, be understanding and sympathetic like you don't have time to deal with the others <laughs> <laughs> definitely not yeah I, I actually wanted to ask you because I mean I I know that dating with IBS is something that or not necessarily just IBS but any kind of issues like this like physical issues conditions it can be so challenging, right? So do you have any advice for someone who is maybe dealing with this, who wants to find that dream partner, but who's afraid to get out there because of this condition? Sure. Yeah. I feel like I get asked about that a lot. Honestly, I tell people that like, there's like a few scary elements, right? Like the first one being like, how do I tell someone that I have these issues. Like it's embarrassing. It's gross. You want, like you always want them to think that you're like sexy and everything and talking about your IBS is maybe not so sexy. And honestly, I just tell everyone like it's, it's up to you when and how you like introduce that you have these issues. Like for someone like me, I mean, at this point in my life, I'm really upfront about it. Cause I just don't care anymore. And I'm like, if you, you know, if, if this is going to be a problem, like, that's fine. But yeah, we're not really going to like do well with each other. Um, but for other people, like, you know, maybe, maybe you 
just say something really general. Like if someone's like, hey, do you want to go out to eat at this specific place and you know you can't eat there? Like you can say something as simple as like, oh, you know what? Like I actually have like stomach problems. I don't think I'll really be able to eat there. And like, that's just your gentle way of letting them know like you have an issue. You know, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, or you can make a joke about it, like something like that. Um, yeah, and then the other awkward issue that I think people come to is when they're like, how do I like tell someone I like don't want to eat at a certain place or something? And I always tell people kind of like we talked about before, like not like every date has to revolve around food. Like maybe you set the first date of being like, let's go bowling, let's go mini golfing, let's see a movie, like something that doesn't revolve around food so that you're not like panicking about that the whole time and you can actually like enjoy yourself. Um, so those are like a few of my like go-to tips while dating. That's good advice. I think that's good advice. And also what you're saying about like taking control of the situation, because as we were talking about before, like a lot of social settings are, whether it's dates or whether it's like uh, gatherings with friends or family, they revolve around food. So if you can like be ahead of it and like invite people to something else, right? Mm -hmm. then either to a situation with food that you're comfortable with or like take charge and like invite them to do something else, right? Yeah. To kind of be ahead of it so that you don't have to always be the one who either leaves earlier or has to change or adjust plans or something like that. You know, you can kind of take control of the yeah. situation to make sure that you can do something that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And like, don't be afraid to do that. Like, you know, the other person wants you to have fun on the date too. So like, it's okay if you're the one that suggests what to do. So, yeah. Cool. I have some quick fire questions. Okay. So the first one is a dangerous one. We kind of touched on a little bit before with the coffee, but what are you willing to flare for? <laughs> oh my God. Like <laughs> the list is honestly too long at this point. Um, <laughs> definitely Starbucks. I think a lot of people who follow me know that. Um, I'll flare any day of the week for Starbucks. Um, ice cream is a big one too. Mm. I can't yep. control myself. <laughs> ice cream. I would say, yeah, like top three are like Starbucks, ice cream, and like pizza. Mm, pizza. Yum. Yeah. What about you though? What are you like your top three? I think mine would be uh, chocolate <clears throat> is the first one. Chocolate is like Not necessarily my best friend, but I will eat it no matter what, because I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And ice cream as well. Probably it's going to be chocolate ice cream too, because I'm just like total chocoholic. So yeah, ice cream. And the last one, I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. If you have your top two, that's totally fine as well. <laughs> It's like chocolate and then ice cream with chocolate so it's like just like chocolate for me yeah all things sugary I, I i i mean yeah sugar is not necessarily the best thing that you can have i think for a lot of people with ibs but uh or processed sugar um but it's worth it yeah i agree <laughs> sometimes very valid yeah <laughs> all right so the next one do you have any non-negotiables that you do every day to keep your gut in check So, um, <laughs> I guess like I, so there's like a fine line with me and caffeine. Like I have to have it. So that's okay. I know this is supposed to be short. I have IBSM. <laughs> so I deal with both constipation and diarrhea. So there's, there's this fine line where I have to have caffeine every day to make sure I'm not constipated and I have a bowel movement every day, but sometimes it causes other issues. So my non-negotiable is I have to have caffeine every day. Um, I just have to make sure that it's not too much. Um, trying to think what else. Controlled caffeine intake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll go with that right. for now. Yeah. How about you? Anything? Well, you know, I think for me, it's, I relate a lot to what you said about your triggers because my trigger, like my ultimate is always stress. So I just make sure that I 
um, handle my stress. And that is for me, like taking my time in the mornings so that I don't have stress. So I don't have to like rush out as soon as I wake up because then my stomach would be like, oh my God, what are you doing to me? So yeah, it's like things like that in the daily, like I, I do like to meditate. I do like to, you know, do other things like that, that helps me to limit the stress and also like deal with, because I think a lot of times it's interesting to kind of explore what it is that's lying beneath the stress, right? So I do kind of do a lot of work when it comes to what is behind the stress, what it is that is causing me stress so that I can kind of eliminate that on a deeper level. And I think that's something that is really helpful with um, IBS for people. So like feeling your emotions when they're coming up, what is there, like all of these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. So what are three essentials that you always carry in your bag when you leave the house? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I always have a spare chain of underwear. <laughs> always. Mm -hmm. Almost never have to use them, but it's just there in case. Um, I always have gum. Uh, I know that's a controversial take with IBS, but I always have to have gum if I'm not feeling well. Minty gum. And then the other thing is I always have a little like pill case in my purse full of like any medications I might ever need in any situation. <laughs> so yeah, okay. three things. <laughs> never leave the house without them. Mm -mm, never. Or else I have like crazy anxiety. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Important, important stuff. I get yeah. it. <laughs> All right. So the fourth one, combining the last symptom that you had and the last thing that you ate what would be your superhero name if Marvel created a movie starring an IBS warrior? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, last symptom I had, of course, was gas. So, and what was the last thing I ate? What did I eat today? Uh, oh, my God. Why can't I remember? I had a bagel. Mm. So, I guess, like, gassy bagel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty awesome superhero. <laughs> a lot of power in that you know there is yeah there's something <laughs> behind that um but what would yours be oh man um the last thing i ate was pancakes Ooh. and my last symptom was bloating i guess bloated pancakes love that <laughs> that's a pretty good one too love that that's even better, I think, honestly. It's going to be a bestseller for sure. This <laughs> ours. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to ask this because I know that a lot of times um, we, you know, get really focused on um, the symptoms and this condition and all of that stuff. But of course, like we are not just defined by IBS and there are so many other things in life. So I'm just curious, like, what are you into? Like, what are you passionate about? Uh, what do you like to do uh, in addition to all of this? Sure. Stuff? I feel like outside of like social media, because I feel like I just have a passion for social media in general. Um, but outside of that, um, I really love music. I love listening to music. I used to be a dancer. So I, I used to love oh, dancing. Um, but now I feel like a lot of times I just like choreograph in my head as I'm listening to music. Huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, so I love all of that. I love going like for walks and hikes. Um, my husband and I started golfing. So that's been kind of a fun hobby. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love like hanging out with my cats and stuff. So yeah, that's like, kind of what fills my days otherwise. <laughs> how, how many cats do you have? We have two. two. And funny enough, oh, one of cats. them has IBS. So. No. Yeah. <laughs> I somehow ended up with a cat with IBS, but I think it was meant oh to be. Oh my God. So. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be. She understands you or he. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we, we understand each other. It's a beautiful relationship. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what would be like your top advice to someone who is listening to this and who is resonating with the story, maybe going through the same thing? Um, what would be your advice? To always just be your biggest advocate for yourself mm -hmm. um 
it's really daunting when you're going to doctor's offices, especially if they're not being so kind and so sympathetic to you. Um, but don't stop going, you know, keep asking questions, keep trying to get answers, keep trying, you know, to get tested, like get to the bottom line of what's going on. Don't let them scare you Mm -hmm. um, or make you feel crazy. And, uh, like we said, it's exhausting, but keep going because you deserve to get answers and to feel better. Um, don't give up on yourself because you're always the person that's fighting the hardest for yourself. So yeah. just, yeah, be your own bestie. <laughs> All right. So I guess we should start to wrap things up probably, but I have a couple of like questions that I will ask all the guests. So what is the biggest lesson or tool or habit that you're working on kind of integrating right now, if any? So um, honestly, I am really trying to go back to therapy right now. Um, I used to go to therapy for something completely like unrelated to like my IBS and stuff. Um, But then once I got that issue cleared up, Um, I have been wanting to go back and deal with like just my general anxiety, but also like my health anxiety and, you know, with my IBS and everything. So um, that's one thing I'm really trying to get back into and incorporate back into my life. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And uh, what, because this uh, podcast, of course, is anything but glamorous. So what has been your most unglamorous moment oh god (laughs) (laughs) um okay so there's one that like kind of always comes to mind when i think of like especially like an ibs horror story um it was when i was in college and i lived in this like really tiny apartment with three other girls and um it was like the worst apartment ever it was disgusting and anyway it was during a time where my IBS was like flaring like horribly, like every single day. And, um, there was one day I was flaring and the, uh, toilet of course stopped working and started just overflowing everywhere. It was the most disgusting, horrible thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And thankfully, thankfully my roommates were gone. I didn't think they were, but they were gone, but I ended up like calling my mom like sobbing hyperventilating like I'm like what do I do and like like gross toilet water like seeping through the door into like the living room thankfully hardwood floor but still just like horrible you know like it's the worst moment ever and my mom having to like coach me through how to plunge a toilet and stuff from like hundreds of miles away you don't have to like call a plumber or something to like see the carnage no, thank God. No, I ended up playing <laughs> with it on my own. But like still like the horror of like cleaning it up and thinking like a, one of my roommates was going to walk through the door and have to like experience that was definitely not no. a glamorous moment of mine. Even though I was kind of alone, <laughs> it was still just not great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, the stuff we have to deal with, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To put it lightly, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, then where can people find you? I know. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about your podcast, actually, because you recently started this podcast together with Matt from uh, Gluten-Free Street Gang. Shout mm-hmm. out to Matt. I think he's hilarious as well. Um, but how, how did you guys connect and how did you kind of decide to start this podcast together? Sure. So Matt was actually one of the first people I like connected with when I started my IBS life because um, we had very similar uh platforms in the beginning he was a meme page uh, mainly about being gluten-free but also about like having stomach issues and that was obviously what I was doing too so um, we connected pretty early on just through that and he's been just like a constant in my like you know little IBS bubble Um, again because we kind of do the same thing I think he's hilarious and um, I had had my own podcast before just like the my IBS life podcast And I always wanted to do it with someone else in the space. And um, once I finally got serious about that thought, I was like, obviously, Matt is my top choice because I just think we would vibe well. So that's kind of how we got started on it. And um, yeah, I I think we're like a great team and it's been really fun. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've, I've been listening to some of your episodes and I think it's it's awesome and it's funny and it's informative at the same time. So I think you guys are doing a really good job. Thank you. Uh, all right. So where can people like connect with you? Uh, where can they find the podcast? Where can they connect with you on Instagram, TikTok, all the things? Sure. Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at my IBS life. I'm on TikTok. My, you can either search my IBS life or, um, X teen Olivo, um, podcast is called bathroom break. It's on all major podcast platforms, you know, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, all those like Google podcasts, stuff like that. Um, I have a YouTube channel, my IBS life. I really don't upload there. So maybe don't go there. <laughs> Twitter, my IBS life, um, pretty much just my IBS life on any platform. You'll find me there. <laughs> oh, by the way, I th I thought of, because I w I was listening to your podcast and I, I noticed that you said you didn't have a tagline, so I thought of one for you. From oh now God. on, you can be. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> you can be Christine, Queen of Shits and Giggles. I love that. And it's <laughs> funny too, because Matt and I wanted to name our podcast something like that, like for shits and gigs or something, but obviously we couldn't have that word in it. So I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being here. I have just loved chatting with you and getting to know you. And um, I just can't wait to see what's next and everything that you're going to be doing from now on. So yeah, no, thank you again for having me on. This has been great. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you're finally starting a podcast. I'm excited yes. uh, to see where this goes. <laughs> I'm so happy. We are so sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> If you or anyone you know are suffering with IBS and you're looking for support with it, this is what I help my clients with through one-on-one -on -one coaching and my online course, Conquer Your IBS. So feel free to reach out to me either by email or on Instagram at conquer.your.ibs. Podcast listeners also get 10% off a one-on-one -on -one call with me. So if you want to take advantage of that, click the link in the show notes below to book with a discount. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if anything you heard today was helpful, please write a review and share this episode with your friends and family. And if you have any questions at all, my inbox and DMs are always open. I hope you have a beautiful and flare-free day. Happy Tom, happy bum, all the things. And I'll see you in the next one.